Hello and welcome, fellow lovely travellers. Uh, this week, uh, you're in for a treat there because Emma is talking to fellow speaker, author, SEO lover, copywriter, and hula hooper extraordinaire, Kate Toon. Yes, and Kate is a podcaster. She actually has not one, not two, but three podcasts. Oh, man, how does she do that? Yeah, and she actually um, did podcasting every day for a month um, during COVID, and she does an episode about all the things she learned from podcasting every single day. And as people who run a podcast, we both know that that is a, a mean feat. Yeah. Not bad at all. She seems very motivated. <laughs> she is. But then she was actually very motivated to speak to us or to me because a lot of the podcasting she does is around business, uh, obviously, because oh. she runs um, she runs the recipe for SEO success. She runs the Clever Copywriting School. She's a copywriter and speaker and author. And so a lot of the stuff she's talking about is business. So she really yeah. enjoys sometimes talking about things that aren't business and it was I just a imagine. good chat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely enjoyed this one. Um, and I think you will too. Yeah. Let's get to the listening guys. Let's get it on. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm very excited today to have our guest, Kate Toon, who is a podcaster herself. She's a businesswoman extraordinaire and an all-round awesome storyteller. So, hello, Kate. What a great intro. No pressure there. No, <laughs> lovely to be here bright and early on a Monday morning. We've both got our coffee. Yes. We're ready to go. We're ready to do the podcasting. Um, no, well, I mean, you have three podcasts uh, currently. Yes. Yes, at the moment. Who knows? There might be another one by the end of the day. Two that are kind of proper and one that's more kind of comes out when I feel like it. So, yes. Well, I did listen to your podcast episode and I'll put it in the show notes about you podcasted every day. I did for 30 days during COVID. Um, when I say every day, I took the weekends off and I had a few days where I just couldn't make it. But so it doesn't sound quite as impressive when you do that. Oh, but no. I turned up pretty much every day for 30 days and did that podcast. And it was, you know, everyone was very lonely during COVID and a bit freaked out. Mm. And it was, it was a comfort to me, but I think it was a comfort to a few other people as well. And I learned a lot about myself in those 30 days. So it was actually quite epiphanal is epiphanal a word if it isn't it should be I had You're many epiphanies I was epiphanying <laughs> left right and center for an entire month I think that's the beauty of being a writer you can make up words and people yeah. believe you so totally. epiphany epiphanying yourself to yes. your cart's content exactly I did listen. I was walking along the beach to the wonderful one with Beck Lambert and then I made a point of listening to the one about the podcasting because I have this I mean I've already got <clears throat> like 100 episodes lined up and so I was all like, we could do two a week or like, we could do more. And then I just, I listened to you and I was like, and we've cut back now to one a week. I would yes. love to get back to two a week, but you get one little skip in the recording time or the editing time or someone doesn't send you a photo and, uh, you know, also just, you don't, you don't feel like it sometimes. You kind of have to sound 
good. <laughs> well, this is it. It's a performance, it, whether you think it or not. You know, it's hard to just turn up and turn it on and and be sparkly and and interesting. And and as you said, it's 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 a lot of work putting a podcast together and a lot of pressure to put on yourself when really no one else is sitting there desperately waiting. You know, unfortunately, we're not Oprah Winfrey. No. We don't have people waiting for our podcast. So people will be delighted when it turns up, but they won't be stamping their feet if it doesn't. And I think. It's good to take the pressure off wherever we can. Yeah, and to be fair, once you've got a bit of a bank as well, I think people are catching up a little bit. So I, you know, in my thing, wanting to have lots of content for them, but it's like do people really have time to listen to an hour and a half of my voice every week? Um, you know, I'm sure it would be lovely, but, you know, an hour and a half, on top of all the other things that they have, and I think the eternal thing is I've got all these podcasts but not enough time to listen to them. So I yes, thought, exactly. I'll take the pressure off them and I'll give them 40 minutes a week and that'll be enough. So I, you know, I'd like to, even though we've done an intro about you, I would like to ask you the the big question of who are you? Tell us a little bit about you. Well, you know, usually I've got a bit of a business spiel that I, that I roll off here, but this isn't a primarily a, a business podcast, I guess, you know, I, I'm a 46 year old human. Um, I live in Australia. I was born in the UK. I've got a son who's about 10 um, and a dog. And I am, you know, I don't define myself through my business, but my business is is very much me, you know, so my business is about writing and creating and I get to kind of extend my creative juices into lots of different things. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a world lover, a human lover. I love to travel. Um, obviously not much of that happening at the moment. Um, I love to explore. I love adventures. Uh, and, you know, at the moment getting those primarily from Netflix and reading, but hopefully soon we'll be able to get back out into the world. I miss the world very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very small at the moment, <laughs> seeing our only our local little hood. But um, you do run a Facebook group for the Misfit Entrepreneurs of the World. And uh, you asked a question in there, which was like, what's something we don't know about you? And I have happened to literally have published this podcast like five minutes before or something. And I said, well, I just launched a podcast. And you very generously said, I'll come on it, which was, you're a bit of a superstar in the, in the uh, podcast and entrepreneur world. So I was a little bit, um, oh, overwhelmed. Shit. <laughs> I, was just, I just love podcasts that aren't necessarily a hundred percent about business. Cause you know, I said, I seem to spend all my time talking about that. So, um, you know, I, I also just love meeting new people and, and, and somebody who's got the wherewithal to put the podcast together is probably going to be quite an interesting soul. So, uh, <laughs> No pressure. But no pressure. Yeah, I know. we're just putting all this pressure on each other for this like amazing, <laughs> mind-blowing interview about travel. But now, well, that was a you brought it up. Um, your voice is a bit of a giveaway. Your accent is a bit of give, a bit of a giveaway. You're from the UK. Which part originally? So I was born up in uh, Manchester in a, in a little town called Sandbach. But then I moved down south when I was about seven or eight near to Henley. I say Henley. It was nearer to Reading, but Henley's posh. Um, <laughs> And my mum and dad are from Newcastle. So one of my great life skills is being able to do any accent. So uh, whether it's uh, England or the world, it's one of my, my party tricks. So yeah, a bit of a hodgepodge in England. And then I lived in London, went to university in Leeds, lived in London. And then I came to Australia when I was about 24 via Thailand, intending to travel around Asia for a year. But my travel partner, the girl I was traveling with, fell in love with a Thai <sighs> fisherman called Bang. Ooh called Bang, and uh, <laughs> left me on uh, Koh uh, Panyang. And so I got the fear and came straight to Australia, got a job, and the rest is history. 
So my big travel adventure then never quite happened. And I think I've been pent up frustration ever since. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds like that, um, you know, that Rhonda, that uh, insurance ad where Rhonda goes. And she oh, yeah, meets, it was very um... Rhonda. It was very Rhonda. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think that happens. I know there's that one story of that lady went to Africa and ended up marrying the Maasai Oh, yes, I read so... that book. I saw that movie. Yeah. Yes, well, you know, yes, she, she met him. They swam in the phosphorescent coral and... Um, she couldn't speak any Thai and he couldn't speak any English. So I'm assuming they just spoke the language of love. He was called Bang after all. Um, <laughs> and uh, she ended up moving out there and uh, living with him for several years. It didn't, it didn't work out in the end. There were lots of cultural differences, unfortunately. But mm. yes, it was a good story. Anyway, it's a great. I mean, look, it's a great story for her. Wasn't so good for me. Wasn't so good for me. Some tale for you, but yeah. um, but I hope you enjoyed those few weeks in Thailand at least. I um, honestly, no, I really oh, didn't. <laughs> because I had never travelled as a kid. So, like, you know, I grew up in England. Our holidays were spent in Wales, and one very miraculous year, I don't know what my parents were thinking. They took us to Jersey which Ooh. is obviously not even out of England, but it felt like it was because it was one degree warmer. And we went, <laughs> we stayed in an actual hotel. Um, <clears throat> but that was the extent of my traveling. I did a, I did a one week exchange in Germany when I was 14 and I went to France on the ferry, which we do in England. You go, you go over to um, Calais on the ferry, buy loads of cheap beer and come back again. And that was my <laughs> total experience of travel wow. pretty much until my twenties. So when I got to Thailand, it was a huge culture shock and I, I, I didn't like it very much to be honest. Yeah, well, no, that's a really extreme uh, difference. And it's funny, my, my parents are English and um, they, yeah, I just can't believe I've been to far more, more seen far more of Europe than they have. Yeah. They just didn't do it. You went to Spain or maybe Greece, um, but even Greece, I think it was like Cyprus and, um, yeah, Spain. And yeah. that was it. And, you know, otherwise camping trips or going to the seaside. Um, and also, you know, my parents only went to Ireland like a few years ago, both of them. People were like, oh, I can't believe that. I'm like, well, when they lived in England in the 70s, it wasn't the greatest relationship. No. Country, but so. I, just, I think that kind of middle class couple in England at that period, it was all about building your you know, having a nice home, having a nice car, and then one, uh, one holiday a year. And it was deemed a holiday. There was no, not this notion of traveling that we have mm. now. I mean, it's a very, you know, we've got this sort of 18th century sort of idea of your, your trip around Europe as a young man. And then that kind of died away. And then package holidays come back, but then it's only Spain and Greece, as you say. But that kind of traveling culture, I think it's, you know, people in that, of that generation were just like, what? And now yeah. I think they're regretting it. And my parents are wishing that they'd possibly seen a bit more of, of the world, but, you know, getting on a bit now. So, yeah, no, no, my parents are definitely catching up. And I mean, though, the benefit I had of being born here was that I have been back a lot. Yes. So people are like say to me sometimes, oh, you've got the travel bug, don't you? And I'm like, oh, if I want to see my family, I've got to travel. <laughs> like it's not a yeah, bug. Well, it's it's same, just... same, with, same with my son, you know, like he's done more travel. He's 10, he's done more travel than I'd done by the time I was 30, I think, going back to Europe and, and the different stop-ups. And for him, it's normal. But for yes. me, that would have been amazing. So, mm. And now do you as well, and I think this is sort of a challenge when you've got family over there as well, is it you want to go and obviously see the family and spend time with them, but then you're also like, oh, many, many countries next door or many, many places I've never been before, it's, all within the vicinity. It's very hard. And um, 
you know, there was a big period where I didn't go back for about four years because it's just, you know, really expensive to take the entire family. It's about $10,000 with, you know, flights and whatever. So didn't for a bit, but then I've tried to go back a bit more frequently. And now I've, I did have big plans this year. It's all, it's all changed to try and work business into my travel. So mm. I was flying to um, the Netherlands to speak at a conference, but I was going to take my son with me. We were going to spend three weeks in the U- some time in the UK. I was going to leave him with my grandparents, go and do the conference, come back. And then I had another conference in um, Manchester that I was thinking I would stop off in Berlin for a couple of days on the way to, as you said, try and see some of those other countries. But then obviously everything has gone down the toilet with, with COVID. But yeah, I, and I sort of said to my parents, next time I come, could we maybe meet in Greece or could we maybe meet yeah. in... But unfortunately, they're just at that age where that feels just a bit too much effort. They can't really be bothered. So I think it's going to be about the stopovers pre and pre and post to try and work in those other countries as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's a time thing too, isn't it? It's yeah, like you yeah. want you need quality time. And then my friend asked me on um, our podcast the other day, the UK episode, and he said, oh, so you must, you must be so nice going over and... Um, seeing people or it must be so nice and I'm like yes <laughs> oh it's nice having a holiday over there it's like it's a visit what a holiday it's a visit and I've made it a holiday now like with my yeah. partner especially going we have this time frame and that's for visiting and that's for time and then after that I'm just gonna go to like you know Salisbury or yes. um you know Scotland or like you know or somewhere different that I've not been to the Lakes District you know somewhere yeah. it's beautiful country yeah, I mean, there's a lot to explore even just there isn't there but you know yes you can it can feel like you're just on a litany of of meeting <laughs> auntie sue and, and the, the friend from school you haven't seen for 18 years. it can be a bit exhausting yeah exactly and so much tea so, so much, much tea, tea. Everyone wants to feed you as well a cup of tea cup of tea cup of tea so you did sort of say it before and um you know, it's a question I often get asked uh, because I do travel a lot and I'm quite young and I think people wonder how well, I get asked, how do you make money? And um, because I don't appear to ever be working. But um, the beauty is I'm a digital nomad, if you will. Um, I have a phone and a laptop and I make money with words and communication. So if I have a phone, and if I have the laptop, I'm working. And so I wanted to ask you about that. Like how much do you get to travel? with your work or like how much can you work while you travel? Yeah, it's been interesting. I think, you know, when my business was starting, my son, I was literally pregnant with my son. And then the first five years, there was there was no travel at all. Mm. You know, you've got a small child, you're trying to sort of pay for things and there was no travel whatsoever. Didn't go anywhere. A couple of like family holidays. And then when he went off to school still, it's, it's very, you know, having a kid is very, it's, it's tricky because you've got to, you know, you've only really got school holidays. You can't be constantly taking them out. You know, when you do one trip home to the UK, that's a whole holiday wiped out. And also financially, it's just very expensive, you know? Mm. And although I could be a digital nomad, there is something about my setup where, you know, I like my big computer and I like my microphone and whatever, and I don't work quite at the same level on a little laptop in a cafe. It's a nice dream, mm. but it's not the same. And my business has got quite big and quite serious and there are a lot of moving parts and I can't quite run it from a phone on a train in Azerbaijan, not quite. <laughs> so there is an impact. Um, but then I think 
couple of years ago, my son's, you know, it's about eight. I made the conscious decision to try and do more travel for work. So to speak at more conferences. So mm. I started to see a lot more of Australia, you know, like I went to Melbourne six times in a year and then Brisbane and whatever. So I saw a lot more of Australia, which was great. And then last year, I decided I wasn't going to do so much in Australia. I wanted to do two big international trips. So I went and spoke in the Netherlands and I spoke in New York. Um, Amazing. And, and that was very close after each other, though, which was a bit stupid. But, and then I also <laughs> did a few uh, Australian things as well, and that was enough. This year I had two big trip plans. Um, and now my son's 11, so now I'm, all bets are off. So he can come with me wherever I go. So what I'm doing next year when travel comes back is I literally want to go I really want to go to Mexico. Mexico's yes. on my list. Let me find a conference that's close enough to Mexico, maybe San Diego or something like that. Take my son. He can be bored in the back of the room with an iPad for a day, but then we get a week in Mexico. Yeah. Or, you know, I want to go to, you know, wherever, you know, Botswana. Just try and find some work reason to go there so that there's some kind of tax and flight stuff. Yeah. And then go. And I also now have a bit of a team um, who can keep things moving for at least a week? Like I could be, I can, I can be light on for a week. Any longer than that gets a bit trickier. I don't know how I would, but I don't know about you. And I'm, you know, int- I'm interested to know how you travel so much. God damn it! Um, I don't like to be away for like, you know, people are like, oh, we want to go away for three months. I can think of nothing worse. I like to go away for a couple of weeks, come home, go away for a couple of weeks, come home. How do you do it? Do you go for big lumps or do you do little trips? Yeah, it's a mixture, but um, like to be able to do more, you sort of have to go for the chunk. And the beauty that I've always had is I have so many friends um, or I make connections around the world. So then I go and stay with them. So I'm not, and there's a, you know, good and bad to that. But if you're staying in a home, you can sort of set yourself up a little bit. Mm. Um, and, And if you're going to say stay for like five days, well, they're doing their normal life. So they don't, yeah. you know, and you, I'm very clear as well. I'm like, you do not need to entertain me. I have plenty of entertainment. If anything, I need you to give me space um, because I'm basically living in your house for five days and we get to spend time each, with each other around it. Um, See, that sounds utterly hideous to me. A, I don't want <laughs> to make friends and I don't want to stay with people. I think one of the things I'm, you know, I'd, I've, one of the things I'd like to do is go away for like a, a month, but go somewhere. Um, one of the places I've seen is, is Bali where there's like a work co-working hub and there's other yeah. people who bought kids and the kids can go to the local international school for a couple of weeks and do activities. And, you know, I've got to try and involve my son though. I think that's, that's the big thing, big, big thing for me, but I would, I would, I would hate to go and stay in other people's homes. <laughs> and that's been, that's been the difference for me. It's all, a yeah. lot of the time it has been me and, um, you know, agreed you don't work to the same level, but like I did a big four month trip and I more than covered my trip, you know, like I'll tell you I earned 16,000 in the time. No, 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 I didn't more than cover it, but like, Muscle menos. Uh, like I spent sixteen thousand over four months, which sounds like a lot of money, but I earned nine thousand. Yeah. So it was like it cost me seven thousand dollars. And in that time, I was in the Bahamas, I was in Hawaii, I was in um, Scotland, Serbia, England, America. Wow. Yeah. You know, doing amazing things. Um, I did take a full week off at one point, but like I sort of try to do like three or four hours a day when I'm doing. I know. I understand that I can't do quite the same, and you understand because you've done copywriting. We do get a little bit of a time frame, so as long as I know my deadlines, 
um, you know, and I can give that those few hours or do maybe one hard night or something like that, I can get it done. Yeah. Um, it did get to a point where I found it as I got older, it was harder to stay in people's homes because you do get used to your own way of being and people getting your space. But then one time I did a Melbourne trip, work trip, and I was like, okay, I'll be a big grown up and I'll get an Airbnb and I'll stay on my own and work in the evenings and stuff. And I just felt absolutely lonely. Yeah. Uh, it was like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, I, I actually even got one 10 minutes down the road from my friend. So and she, we saw each other every day. <laughs> I was like, I've just wasted money. It's interesting, isn't it? I think loneliness is a big thing that puts people off travel to some degree. That thought that, you know, you will be stuck in a hotel. You won't know anybody. And, you know, I do think you have to be very... And I think, you know, in my 20s as well, when I was when I was in Thailand, you know, I wasn't used to my own company. I didn't like myself as much as you do as you get older, you know. And so mm. being on my own for a prolonged period and not having someone to say, oh, look at that, and not having someone to talk things over with in the evening was really challenging. Now I think I would find that utterly delightful. You know, I, I, I love my own company and I'd love to travel alone and I don't necessarily need someone to see and validate every experience I'm having for me to feel like I'm having that experience but you know and I think that changes throughout your life so the loneliness thing is a factor but you know and I think you've got to have that fine balance haven't you between humans and time to yourself it's challenging yeah oh definitely and and so uh last year or the year before in 2018 my partner and I did a big trip we did seven weeks together which is a big test because he'd never done a multi-country trip he'd always done like the family holiday for a few weeks he's lived in other countries um but to go back to back country to country in seven weeks it's quite a time and so and I wanted to work during that time so it depends on the time zones too so New York like um the U.S. was a lot harder um, than Europe because we were there in summer. So in Europe, we've got a really great routine where I would um, wake up at like six or seven. I'd do three or four hours and then I'd, that was it. And I'd say to him, I just need this morning. Go, I don't care what you do, just get out, uh, have a coffee, go for a walk in Rome. I don't know, figure it out, but just give me this time. And I had the whole rest of the day. And then, yeah, and then also just realised from past trips as well, I always had this wonderful idea, like, you know, using every single second of the day that I would be able to, like, write a blog on a train and then oh, finish this piece of copy on a book, uh, on a bus, and then on the plane I'll do this. And so I have 11 hours of travel in the day and then I spend the whole time looking out the window because, you know, it's beautiful <laughs> and I'm tired. And so I've learnt that transit days are transit days and not worky days so that's it's taken time many years but the fact is I've been able to do it Mm. and you know and then sometimes as well like you discussed in your book there's that been an element of keeping myself a certain size so that I can just go sorry doors shut not working and I've gone away for two months and just yeah and I don't have that anymore so my business has evolved beyond the size I mean that book I wrote I think two or three years ago and it's changed now there's a there's a guy um I've forgotten his name Sean something or other who does the three-month vacation and so um, yeah so uh I think my approach is more like that now so I try and gear the entire month of December to not to do nothing in December Mm. and that's uh, that's a time when I might try and have an actual holiday holiday I'm much better now at school holidays being low level time so yes I can coast the business I don't have to be investing a lot of time so I can go away with my son and then also as I said working travel around 
business trips. Yes. So there's, you know, different ways of doing it. But again, you know, give it five years, my son will be 15, 16. He won't want to travel with me. He'll be having his own life. And then, yeah. then I've got this whole period where, you know, I could, you know, devolve my business and hopefully do a bit more travel and see a bit more of the world you know so there's different phases in our lives I think and travel comes into them in different ways you know depending on our business our life our family situation and yeah you've got to be flexible I think yeah well look your book is called confessions of a misfit entrepreneur Mm -hmm. I literally read it in a day which I don't know who I don't know how like when I've done that, actually, to be honest, um, because I am certainly a misfit entrepreneur and I know that you've struggled sometimes with the title. I heard you recently talking about, you know, I want to call myself a freelancer, but I think I'm not allowed anymore. Or, uh, or people say I'm just a freelancer. I'm like, uh, no, you're a business owner because you're doing everything. And then, you know, like you said, there's the many different types of people, solopreneur, and digital nomad, mumpreneur, yeah. like... Call yourself whatever you want, but the fact is you're running a business um, and it's bloody impressive and it was really nice to read it and um, you actually got invited back to my high school to talk after 10 years and my um, principal specifically asked me to talk about my journey because it wasn't linear and it wasn't what the norm was and it's like I still seem to be reasonably successful <laughs> or at least able to put food on the table. Um, but yeah, no, I really love, I loved, I just loved it. But, um, you know, for people who are out there going, oh, you know, doing the, oh, well, it's all right for her type thing or well, look at her with all that. I mean, yes, I'm able to travel, but then there's the sacrifices. And like you said, I have a very successful business. I'm, you know, I'm doing all these things, but then it means maybe I'm not able to do all of that. So yeah. there's, yeah, there's always sacrifice. And I think it's, you know, the, the line I read somewhere is, you know, you have to decide how you want to suffer. We're all going to suffer in <laughs> yeah. life and, and you have to choose the, the suffering that fits you best. You know, the example is always the, the marathon runner that, yes, gets to run marathon and has the glory, but they have to get up at 4am every morning in the dark and, and run for hours and, you know, not and eat well and all that kind of stuff. So there's no, there's no glory without pain. And I guess in my business, you know, I have, I have made compromises. Like I, you know, I moved out of urban Sydney up the coast. So, you know, I don't have, didn't have that fancy house and the big car didn't have the big salary of an agency when I was working in an agency, um, made those compromises so I could spend a lot of time with my son and pick him up and drop him off from school, which, you know, is a, is a compromise, but also a joy. Um, you know, you spent a lot of time, just chipping away you know so patience is a huge part of having a successful business and I think it's a real problem in the in the kind of recent years that everyone sees people being successful and they want that overnight bless you um so just did a silent sneeze yeah a a lot of patience I mean you know I'm this is my 12th year in business so as everyone always says you know there's no overnight success I think things started to ramp up for me about three or four years ago um but it took me a good seven years to work out what I wanted to do, who I was, what I was good at, what I wasn't good at, you know, when I work well, when I don't in terms of like hours of the day, what makes me productive, what what kills my mojo- motivation to just know yourself. Running a business is it's hugely testing. You know, it's like traveling around the world for four months. You learn an awful lot about who you are, you know, when you're alone in the dark, you know, staring at the ceiling in some weird 
uh, youth hostel with the fan lazily. <laughs> like, what am, who am I? You know, you have those moments in business as well and you learn from them and you, and you, and you, you get better. And, and success as well is also relative, you know, because my version of success it wouldn't be someone else's. My version of success is not a big car and a nice house and I've got a nice house, but not like a nice house. You know, it, it is being able to walk the dog, go to Coles, do a bit of work, potter in the garden, and then watch a bit of Netflix. You know, it's not it's not amazing. It's not earth shattering, but I get to do that every day as I want with very little stress. And that's for me, that's success, you know. Yeah, I love it. And you mentioned, and I've got it highlighted here, you sent an email about it recently too, which was the fallow period, which was oh, a really yes. can you that. just describe that and that sort of well for my for thing. my degree, really usefully, I did um medieval history. <laughs> I learned a lot about medieval mercantilism. I could talk about mercantilism for a long time, which is uh, the trading system. But as well as the trading system, I learned about medieval agriculture and what they did in the, in the olden days, because they didn't have a fertilizer and chemicals, is they had a three crop rotation. So you do your top, top soil crop for a while, you know, your, your, your wheat and your barley and your spelt. And then after that, you would do your, your low soil crop, which are potatoes, your turnips. And then for a year, you would just leave the field alone and let, you know, pigs poo on it and, and the rain fall on it and, and just let it go fallow, let it just re- re- rejuvenate and, and get some nutrients back in it through nature because you couldn't put nutrients in. There was no such thing. So I take that approach. I try and take that approach with business. So, you know, I'll have periods of high energy or like, no, what I, it's more like I'll have periods of deep work. That's my deep crops where mm. I'm building course materials. I'm making videos. I'm really creating things to sell. And then I'll have periods of light work, which is really where I'm just doing fluffy stuff like marketing, the stuff you could do on a train going through New Zealand, you know, like sending yeah. emails, doing a bit of socials. And then I try and have fallow periods where I do nothing. Maybe I just read, but I don't necessarily read about business. You know, I read mm-hmm. about life or I listen to podcasts or I go to art galleries or I potter in the garden. And that's just letting my brain gather some nutrients because you can often just feel like you're pouring from an empty bucket, you know, like there's nothing there's nothing left, you know, and I think a lot of us are feeling that at the moment after this horrendous year that we've had, which used up so much emotional energy that we're just we're running on empty and, and yet we're still trying to achieve and do things and be as impressive as Sue because, look, Sue just <laughs> little do we know that Sue is, you know, drinking a bottle of wine a day and, and barely surviving, you know, so. Yeah. She looks great on a video. She does look great. <laughs> She's got but, a ring light. <laughs> yeah, so do I, to be fair. <laughs> but, you know, I that's I, I sort of, when I read that, um, and I love that approach, it was like, I think that's what I've used travel for. I think that's been a little bit hard at this time was even those little Melbourne trips or little Sydney trips, I live in the Gold Coast, that I do break it up. And I get that time to stare out the window, um, to be with people and just enjoy and to be like, I can't do any work today because I'm literally over here. But also, yeah, taking those big like one-month trips and being like, stuff it all. Mm. Um, I come back rejuvenated and with new ideas and, um, you know, having having just given it a rest. And so that is a challenge at the moment, not getting my version of, of rest do it locally but um but I liked I really liked that sort of um approach to it that it's not all just like grind 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 and then you get your two weeks a year your two weeks vacay and then you're supposed to be like back to it and grind 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 I don't know how they do it in the US it's absolutely I really don't and but I think it's an interesting thing as well because obviously to a degree I am more static than than you are you know simply because of you know 
kid in school and all that kind of stuff to try and find those moments of travel joy in smaller smaller things so one thing I do I'm a big uh, local traveler so I will literally go and book a hotel in a suburb maybe two suburbs away just oh, wow. so that I can wake up in that suburb and see what it's like to go out in that suburb and get a coffee in the morning so I just went and stayed in Glebe for example which is just in Sydney down yes. the road but and I stayed in a different bit of Glebe and I woke up in the morning I walk, walked out it was a different coffee shop you know was, I walked around and there was a different bookshop different park with different dogs in it and it it's not quite as like cool as waking up in a souk in Tunis, but yeah. it's something, you know, it's that yeah. freshness. It's that feeling of full of possibility and excitement and you don't know what's around the corner. And you can get that quite close to home if you, if you try. So I'm a big, finding small pleasure joys is a big part of my travel culture as well. And we have to now and we have to look at it that way. And I mean, that's the other beauty of my travel so much as well is that I go away and I talk about this where are you from and from the Gold Coast very beautiful and there's beaches da 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 and then I'm like I need to go there more I, know. I need to just go and put my feet in the sand and the yeah. sea like I talk rave about it as I'm away and this beautiful lifestyle I have and then I come home sometimes and I do get into the you know the, the free of the freelancer sometimes disappears and I'm grinding at the desk and then I'm looking out the window going it's absolutely beautiful day crazy isn't it I live I live five minutes from the beach as well and you know I always said when I grew up we talked about this again the English attitude I don't want to be the sort of person that lives somewhere they don't want to live all year so they can spend two weeks a year somewhere they do want to be I live somewhere where I want to be all year round you know like this is where other people come to go on holiday you know if I if some of my friends back in England there's tv shows in England where people come to the Gold Coast and here and they're like this is paradise imagine if we could live here and we do live here and often we forget that 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 that's just down the road don't we because we're so busy doing the do Um, I'm going to ask you one more thing before I let you go. I was, um, you, you mentioned the, the hook, the reason I got you here was that you, um, cycling 800 kilometers. Oh yes. Well, you were talking about the trip you did with, with your partner, which I assume was some kind of test. Everything's a test. Right? <laughs> but, uh, uh, when I was, uh, with my, my, my son's dad, uh, we about, gosh, it was be about 10 years ago. So I'd gone back to, I'd, been in Australia I went back to England and as soon as I got back to England I was like what have I done I have to go back to Australia so I gave myself a year to save up the money and I booked myself uh, to be a volunteer in a given camp in Hua Hin and that was my thing that I had to do and in the interim I met my my future husband and I said look you're lovely we can have a relationship but whatever happens I'm going I'm leaving this is the date I'm going to Thailand and then as it got closer and closer he said can I come with you and so I was like yeah can you? and little did I know that he'd gone to Thailand quite a lot as well um and I loved I mean I said I had a bad time the first time but I loved Thailand I had actually learned to speak Thai before I went wow. so we yeah we went to uh, Phuket I did three weeks in a Thai kickboxing camp learning Muay Thai he did a meditation retreat while I did that a silent meditation retreat uh, then we met and we got on our bikes. We had these little fold-up bikes. We got up at 4 a.m. every morning. We cycled for three hours as the sun came up and ravenous slavering dogs bit chased after us. There's <laughs> lots of lots of wild dogs in, in Thailand. Yeah, and we cycled every morning and we we just we didn't have anything booked. So wherever we ended up that day, then we would try and find somewhere to stay. And sometimes it would be like a palatial five-star hotel with a swimming pool, and other times 
it would be somewhere quite different. We've stayed in <laughs> terrible places, but it was amazing. And it, we went from yeah Phuket all the way up to Bangkok, and then back down to Hahin, where we worked in a gibbon camp for a month, cleaning up bear poo and gibbon poo. Um, <laughs> And it was an amazing trip. We were away for about four months. This was before I had a business or anything like that. And uh, we spent very little money. And it was just such an adventure because all we had was a, I had a tiny backpack, like a school backpack. So I just had like, you know, five pairs of pants, some toiletries, a couple of t-shirts, you know, everything's cheap in Thailand. So your t-shirt falls to pieces, you buy another one. But I would get books wherever I went, I'd get books, but they were too big. So I'd have to rip the pages off the book that I'd read Uh behind because I couldn't fit the book. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was amazing. And I'm so glad I I did it because I'm not sure I would ever do a trip like that again. You know, we were, we were so poor that we made need, you know, and I don't, and that poverty led to such adventure mm. that I don't know if I'd ever have that again, because I'd always know, oh man, I'm just going to get my credit card out and stay somewhere nice. This place is a crap hole. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. No, it's a, sometimes it is fun and it's, a, it's fun being thrown into that situation where you, you don't have a choice that, that yes. this is, this is the place you're staying and this is, is what's going to happen. And I've done quite a bit, few big adventures of, of big scales, but like, they have been very much um, tours and we've yes. been very cared for by the locals. So that is very adventurous and not knowing where you're going to go. Really, yeah. And I mean, it was, I, although I could speak a bit of Thai, it was really having that comfort of another person. And mm. my partner at that point was very, very confident and very, very easygoing. Like nothing stresses him out. And also Thailand is an extraordinarily easy country to travel because everyone is so pleasant, uh, you know, sweeping generalization, but very unlikely to get into yes. conflict with anybody in Thailand that hate conflict. Um, I remember once we were cycling through a village and it was uh, Songkran, which is the festival where essentially it's, you know, celebrating life, or whatever, but really they just throw flour and water at each other for, for a week. Okay. Um, it's, it's random. And it's more lucky to throw water and flour on the farang, on the, on the foreigners. Yeah. So everywhere we went, we would just get soaked with water and people would be laughing. It was hilarious, but it kind of wasn't hilarious for you. <laughs> if someone comes and gets like a bin full of water and pours it on you, you can't nearly come off and you're soaked and your backpack soaked and everything and they're laughing and you're like, oh my God. And I remember <laughs> once someone threw a bucket of water at me and it actually knocked me off a bike and I really lost my temper. And just seeing how the locals, that the Thai people reacted because they just had no idea what to do with that. They yeah. have no idea what to do. They just laugh and smile, which therefore winds you up even more. <laughs> in the end, we just got on the bike and we said, let's just stay in the in a hotel for five days until this festival is over <laughs> because we can't leave the house. So it's interesting, you know, little adventures like that. that you just, you know, you wouldn't have those going to Coles in your minor every day. So, well, maybe you would. It's pretty wild west here. So I don't know. <laughs> but you also don't know those things exist sometimes. No. And they're the best. That's the best part is the discovery yeah, and wandering down the street of going what, what's what's here I don't know yeah. I mean safe safely but safety, safety, yeah but well yeah. I have to say um I absolutely yeah, it's a joy to speak to you um highly recommend if you're you know for a good read entertaining read but also if you are in the business realm whatsoever confessions of a misfit entrepreneur and also a really lovely thing I absolutely love is that a dollar from every book goes to Rafiki Mwema um we had a lovely lady on here who went and trekked Kilimanjaro for Rafiki Mwema and I'm a big fan myself I buy from their shop um they uh, they support a children's children's homes in Kenya who've been through trauma so thank you for doing that that's 
so yeah, wonderful. It's a great charity, yeah. It's so beautiful. So thank you so much for your time. I wish we could talk all day, but we both probably should run our businesses. So uh... <laughs> very lovely. But the only problem is it's really made me long to travel again. So gosh, I hope I hope things open up soon. And I'm absolutely desperate to get back out there. And I think that's the first thing I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be booking some flights. You know. Yeah, this is very loud. Well, thank you for your time and uh, happy travels. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. Um, that was a great chat, Emma. Um, how do I go about getting a copy of her book? Uh, you can get Kate's book, Kate Toon's book, at katetoon.com. It's called Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur. Uh, so head on over there, but obviously we will put it in the show links as well. And, yeah, I mean, as I said, I loved it, smashed it in a day. Uh, so it was really good. and. You know, yeah, for those people who out there sort of wonder often how I travel so much, um, it's because I'm a freelancer, entrepreneur, run my own business, I work from a laptop. So the misfit entrepreneur really speaks to me. Uh, it's, you know, doing life a bit differently and uh, but still running kick-ass businesses and, yeah, yeah it's really I was, cool. I was more thinking of like a free copy sent to me personally but that's fine <laughs> uh, I guess I can shell out for it <laughs> um you know maybe there might be a gift for you at some point from me oh. but uh no please please support Kate buy her book visit her websites listen to her podcast she's a great podcast podcasts, plural that's amazing yeah um, she's a great podcaster yeah and thank you dear listener for listening with your ears um, and thank you to your fingers for liking and subscribing and reaching out on the social networks. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. So Instagram at Lovely Travels, uh, join the chats in our Facebook group, Lovely Travels. Um, you can also email us with questions, comments, requests at info at lovelytravels.com. Lovely is always spelled L O V E double L. Why? Why double L? Because it's my last name, Lovell, but it also means double the life. So remember. I'm going to remember that for sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more goodness. And, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. See you then. Bye-bye.